Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe FDA approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Hi, this is Michael Friedberg here at Yellow Belly in Boulder, Colorado, interviewing Timmy Duggan for the first of a show that we're going to do called Deep Fried Thoughts. Um, Timmy Duggan is a former professional cyclist. He was a world tour rider, a national champion, and an Olympian. Timmy's one of the most humble human beings I've ever met. And uh, I think a lot of people in town don't necessarily know just how good Timmy was on a bike. Um, Timmy, why don't you uh, introduce yourself and tell us a little bit more about how you got into cycling? Well, um, I grew up here in Boulder, actually, and uh, like most kids who grow up in Boulder or Colorado in general, they're uh, somehow exposed to both skiing and cycling uh, at some level. I happen to really take off with alpine ski racing, uh, something that my uh, family did, my dad did. My dad was on the uh, University of Colorado ski team when he was in college. And my brother and I just really took to that uh, from a very early age. You know, we were six, seven years old when we started ski racing. And that's all we did until the end of high school was just ski race, ski race. And that was the only thing I wanted to do. I wanted to go to the Olympics and, uh, you know, really be at the highest level in, in that sport that I was so passionate about. Um, Towards the end of ski racing, during high school, I got into cycling a little bit just as like dry land training to kind of stay in shape in the summer. I had a, one of my coaches was a former uh, professional rider himself, so um, he would definitely get us on the bike quite a bit for dry land training. And it was something I kind of took to, and I even did a couple races, like mountain bike races here and there just for fun, even though I was still totally focused on ski racing. But uh, at the end of high school, I was kind of at this point in my career ski racing where you know, I could take a year off and, you know, I would ski for an okay college, but that would kind of be the end of it. Like, I definitely wasn't at that point anymore <clears throat> on track to, you know, be the next Ted Ligety or Bodie Miller or anything like that. So um, I decided to, I guess, really take a kind of leap of faith or not, just a leap of fun maybe, and uh, try out this bike racing thing that I had kind of dabbled in as a ski racer just for fun. So, um my buddy Ian McGregor and I, Ian uh, is a former professional himself. He now is the uh, CEO of Scratch Labs, a uh, pretty well-known company in the industry right now. Um, so him and I took off. We borrowed my parents' minivan and just ran around the country going to the biggest, best races we could for a year and a half or so, um, just camping in the back and going to bike races. And um, We really just kind of climbed the ladder really quick and got some big results that uh, got us on the radar on the on the national scene and 
things kind of took off from there. Uh, we both signed with uh, Jonathan Botter's Slipstream, uh, at that time Slipstream team, and uh, we both began our careers in, in that program. And from then on, skiing uh, competitively was just in the rearview mirror? Yeah, skiing competitively was, was definitely in the rearview mirror, um, but skiing in general was, even when I stopped, it was uh, still very much my passion and continues to be my passion. In fact, um, I would say my, my whole cycling career, I was always even more passionate about skiing than I was about cycling. And for me, I think that was a strength because um, it was almost kind of like, uh, you know, the Happy Gilmore movie where he uh, ends up playing golf, but he was a really shitty hockey player. <laughs> but the, the PR lady keeps telling him, you're not a hockey player, you're a golfer. Yeah. But he hates golf, but he's good at it. I didn't hate cycling, but I was more passionate about skiing not necessarily racing, but just skiing in general than, than cycling. So it enabled me in my cycling career to kind of hold it a little more at arm's length and um, have it not be so important and not be so tied to it if I failed. So I just wasn't afraid to fail. I just really didn't care, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, and ski racing, that was the thing that held me back the most was I was so afraid to fail that I could never really, like, open up and, and do my best. And so if anything I learned from that sport, it was to not put that kind of pressure on, my, on myself in, in cycling and um, kind of just having that attitude throughout my career, I think, really helped me excel a lot more. Huh, that's really interesting. And so um, age-wise, how old were you and Ian when you guys uh, kind of hit the road there? So we were after high school, so we were 18, 19 when we started getting into road racing huh. for real. I mean, um, you know, just uh, it seems like they couldn't be too – there's a ton of people in Boulder and in Colorado and probably in the world that love skiing and cycling, but just the physical demands of the sport, you know, really couldn't be a lot different. And so, you know, both of you guys found that you had maybe more of a genetic gift for the, the endurance stuff. Yeah. It's interesting. You know, there's, there's quite a few, uh, ski racers that have ended up kind of switching over to cycling. And uh, to tell you the truth, a lot of them are like me. They're kind of the little guys. They're not the, you know, in alpine ski racing it helps to be you know 200 pounds or or more something like andrew weibrecht or steven nyman you know those guys wouldn't be so hot on in a bike race but they can rip downhill and uh likewise guys like myself ian uh tyler hamilton was a very good ski racer levi leipheimer was a very good ski racer uh those guys are my size they weigh you know 135 pounds at race weight soaking wet so uh definitely a little more aptitude for for cycling but uh to me the attitude was a lot similar especially in time trials and that's something i kind of gravitated towards immediately and excelled at immediately was that time trial mentality of you know you got a starting gate and you go as fast as you can to the finish it's essentially an individual sport whereas the the other dynamic is a little bit more uh team oriented especially when you guys ended up on the road right the Alpine ski racing, even though there is a team environment, it's still very much an individual sport. Like individual teammates aren't really helping each other. Certainly not in the competition, they're not really helping each other because you're only on the course one at a time. So there's, it's just not really formatted like that. Yeah. Um, but in cycling, it's just opposite. It's very much a team sport. You know, my, my role in my career was a team player 99% of the time. You know, very rarely did I get to. You know, actually go for the win for for myself cool. for those of you just tuning in you're listening to deep fried thoughts with michael friedberg and timmy duggan broadcasting from yellow belly and boulder colorado 
Um, Timmy, will you take us through some of the highlights of your cycling career? Um, you know, you were able to go to the Olympics, which is an event that absolutely transcends sport. You know, it's just, it's, uh, take us through some of the highlights. Yeah, um, some of the highlights of my career definitely include going to the Olympics. And, um, you know, for me, that was always something I had in my mind since I was seven, since I was a ski racer, you know. Um, uh, you know, in ski racing, the Olympics is just the absolute pinnacle of the sport. And in cycling, um, it's one of a few pinnacles, you know. Uh, so it was still really cool for me to be able to go to the Olympics, but not the way I had thought I was going to uh, originally. But like you said, you know, the Olympics especially because it just it transcends sport. It's so much bigger than any one sport or any one person. Like when I was there... Uh, in what Olympics were you at? In, in London in 2012. Excellent. And when I was there, yeah, you just get this immediate feeling of, one, the, the whole world is like just stopped. Like everything has just stopped what they're doing and they're watching this event that you're a part of. And it, it doesn't so much matter that it's one sport or the other. And uh, everywhere I go, it's the men's bike race. That's the only world that there is you know, wherever I go. And then to be at this huge, huge, huge event that just crushes any other event but to I don't have have the perspective that there's other things going on and other athletes there uh, with different stories was was really cool and above all just the honor to be have selected to have been selected by your country to represent your country at, at such an event was was really special and I'll definitely keep that with me the rest of my life uh, another highlight was uh, winning the U.S. Pro National Championships. Um, I know that's not winning the Tour de France or the biggest race in the world or anything, but it was always something that I wanted to do from day one of my cycling career that becoming a national champion is something I wanted to do. Um, and very few people really get to do that. It's one, one day of racing, one day per year. Uh, so to be able to execute on that one day and have everything go exactly how I imagined it was something I was really proud of. And so when and where did you win that race? So that was in 2012 in Greenville. It was the last year that the um, national championships were held in Greenville, which is kind of cool because I'd raced that race there several times. Um, so it's cool to uh, kind of take the last uh, title from that, that town uh, with me because it's uh, been a place that has given me a lot of good memories. That's awesome. And how did that unfold? What were your strengths as a rider? How did you win that race? It, nationals was it's always an interesting race, whether it's the United States or anywhere else, because um, it's only the people from that country. So instead of a regular race where you've got eight or nine riders on each team, you might have at Nationals a team with five riders and then a team with 13 riders and then a team with, as it was in my case, it was just myself and Ted King. We're the only two Americans on our Italian liquid gas Cannondale team. So that's all we had was just the two of us. Um, so we kind of pieced together this militia uh, to help us out and um, get us on the road in the race and have all the support we needed. Um, and it really was like a militia. It was like people I knew from the industry, people I had never known before that lived in the town. Like all these people came together just to help Ted and I. And we did it the year before too. When Ted was uh, also on the podium, he was third that year. Um, so it was kind of a proven uh, recipe for success, and uh, we got a couple notches higher on the podium the next year. But uh, that was another thing I was so proud of because we like. Ready to pop the question? 
The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Put this together ourselves and with only two riders, you know, we won the race versus teams that had, you know, 10, 12 guys on it, including uh, Garmin, which is the biggest strongest team in the country you had eight or nine or ten riders and uh to be able to get that all right on that day was really awesome that's amazing um so switching gears how did you uh you know what a great career to be a national champion to be uh an olympian how did you decide that it was time to move on uh from cycling um long story short to tell you the truth uh i had a traumatic brain injury in 2008 in the Tour of Georgia right before starting my first uh, Giro d'Italia. Uh, it was kind of right when my career was just rocketing and taking off. I've never felt better in my life. I still don't think I ever got back to that level that I felt, you know, in 2007, beginning of 2008. Um, but, yeah, I had a terrible crash in the Tour of Georgia and suffered a really nasty traumatic brain injury that would... Most people who have the injuries I had are, are dead. So I was really lucky to have A, just gotten my regular life back, and unbelievably B, to get my career back and have some of the best results of my career post-injury. Um, but while everything looked good on the outside, you know, having results like we just discussed post-injury and things were just, you know, on paper just going up and up, Mentally, things were just kind of going down and down and down from 2008 all the way till 2013, at which point um, I had another bad crash. I broke my leg at the Tour Down Under after the most successful season I had the previous year. Broke my leg, and that was kind of a straw that broke the camel's back. And while it wasn't the reason I retired, it was just kind of like the underlining factor of a different problem that told me you know it's it's just time to move on i'm just not happy i'm ready to to do something different so and you uh you've gotten into real estate and that's something that is essentially a family business your parents have both been uh realtors in the boulder area for a long time was that something you knew all along that you wanted to do or how did you how did you kind of get into career mode yeah I, it is the business i grew up in my my family's been in real estate since i was born and um, it was always something I wanted to, to do post-sport, post-cycling. Um, so that was nice to have that in my head when I retired, knowing, okay, I already know exactly what I want to do. That's something uh, I think a lot of people struggle with when they retire from such a one-dimensional world that is professional sport going into the real world, if you will, as well as a totally different uh, area of expertise. 
but um, yeah, retiring from cycling was just was an incredibly tough decision. I did not take it lightly. Um, you know, I, I said how things have been going downhill for for years, but it still wasn't like obvious that this is what I needed to do. It was a really emotional decision, but um, I did know what I wanted to do uh, afterwards. And uh, when I finally made that decision, it was just like this huge relief, like lifted off of me. It felt so good, and I felt more alive and in control than I'd ever felt in a long, long time. So that was a great feeling. And then applying that energy towards whatever I wanted to do next. I mean, I could do anything, you know. Uh, it's, I think, pretty unique to be 30 years old and um, have some very unique knowledge and expertise, but you have the second chance to just go whatever direction you want. So uh, I've been trying to take that for me in, in real estate lately. So uh, I started my career working with um, my father, Dwayne, also my mother, Debbie, and we have another partner, uh, broker we work with, as well as uh, two other people that work under us. So we've kind of got this real estate team machine that's called the Boulder Property Network, and we're out of Remax of Boulder. So we help, help people buy and sell homes in the Boulder County area. And so how, uh, you know, You've been an athlete your whole life, and, and your father's an athlete. And to even, just even to hear you use the word team and, and kind of describing this, um, do you bring a lot of what you've learned in athletics into your uh, professional career? Yeah, definitely. Um, I'd say one of the biggest things is just um, how kind of easy, I'm quoting with my fingers right now, how easy everything is. I mean, like my idea of hard is just being on your absolute physical and mental limit after six hours in the bike race in the rain you're literally hypothermic and your team director's yelling at you your team leader who is trying to win the tour de france in a couple weeks is on your wheel and the pressure is on you have to perform i mean stuff like that that's hard but staying up late to write a contract or deal with uh some angry person is that's not hard I mean it is but you gotta as an athlete who's been through that kind of thing I think you can uh, approach your new career with a different perspective that's really interesting to hear I mean I, I believe the athlete that the athletic process is just that and so it's interesting to hear how you apply that um, another thing that's really interesting is you know your best friend and guy you came into the sport with uh, Ian has become quite the entrepreneur through scratch and I know that the two of you also have a foundation that you started together um, can you tell us a little bit about the foundation yeah so Ian and I some years ago started a scholarship fund called the Just Go Harder Foundation and that provides scholarships to kids to get involved in the cycling and skiing sports that are uh, are so important to us now and were so important to us growing up and um, those opportunities gave us in my opinion more of an education than any school ever gave me and something that I would never trade for anything in the world is those experience I, I had in those sports but the reality is both those sports can be pretty uh, cost prohibitive so um, we're trying to provide kids who don't have the means the opportunity to have access to those coaches and mentors that um, made such a difference in, in our lives. So we've kind of rolled everything into this one event as a fundraiser for the Disco Harder Foundation, and that is a cycling event called the Indian Peaks Classic. And the second annual version will be this uh, Labor Day weekend in um, uh, September up in Nederland, Colorado. So 
uh, check it out at indianpeaksclassic.com for more information. And we'll see you there. That's awesome. And uh, yeah, you know, the first year you guys uh, just put together a really interesting ride um, and a ride that uh, also attracted Rohan Dennis in its first year, as long as, uh, as well as a bunch of your other uh, professional friends in town. Um, I had one last question for you. And, um, you know, you got on with uh, Garmin Slipstream, which was Vodder's team and, and kind of had, you know, this incredible mentoring through that. Um, how does how do you take the coaching and mentoring uh, that you grew up with and apply that to business? Do you have similar coaches and mentors in your professional life? Yeah, definitely. I mean, uh, the team I work with, um, Dwayne and Tammy, my partner agents. I mean, just just being around them, um, learning from them is so valuable. The office I work at at Remax of Boulder, there's a there's a hundred agents that work there, and it's really an incredible group of people and. Everybody's super supportive, and just being there, you absorb so much by osmosis. And um, that office in particular, I, I probably know a third of the people there since I was like a baby. So it's cool to be um, have that kind of relationship with people and um, and that kind of uh, connection and, and mentorship and, and learning from them. And so, I mean, being such a competitive guy who knows how to set and achieve goals and have obviously brought that mentality into business um do you ever see yourself bringing that competitive vigor back to an athletic uh venue um i feel like i'm still kind of reeling from bike racing and i'm still my brain and my body are still tired (laughs) i just don't really have any desire to push myself that hard at the moment and uh, i just enjoy uh backcountry skiing and yeah it's not like i sit on the couch but i don't need to get my heart rate to 200 right now um but uh, I have told myself that I am going to do one ski mountaineering race because I figure somebody who knows how to ski and knows how to ride a bike and has a big engine, much like yourself, Mike, <laughs> um, maybe we should partner up in a partner race. Maybe I think we'd be pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I, I at least want to give myself a shot and see, uh, see how it goes. But, um, and then I've done a couple of uh, free ski competitions like jumping cliffs into the powder and trees and rocks and stuff and that's kind of fun nothing i'm gonna really go anywhere with or want to go anywhere with but uh it's just fun to kind of compete in something else even if it's uh not at the highest level all right timmy well thanks so much to come for coming into yellow belly and being the first guest on deep fried thoughts um can you finish up by telling everyone who's listening uh where they can find you professionally personally or you know the foundation just give us uh give us some info as where where we can find everything well uh come on over to our remax of boulder office on Folsom and canyon which is conveniently located like a block away from yellow belly so uh don't hesitate to give me a ring i'll come over and grab a sandwich with you uh you can check out my website at boulderpropertynetwork.com and all the relevant contact information will be will be there so give me a call i'd be happy to go ride or ski or uh, help you out with a real estate market here. And sometimes we can do both. I uh, don't mind showing houses by bike from time to time. I like that. And what about the foundation? Where can we find out more information about that? Check out that at indianpeaksclassic.com. The uh, second, like I said earlier, the second annual event will be this Labor Day weekend in Nederland, Colorado. So bring your road bike or cross bike and get ready for a little bit of dirt. All right, Timmy. Thanks a lot. Thanks, Mike. 
This is Craig Robinson from Ways to Win. And support for this podcast comes from Invesco QQQ, the official ETF of the NCAA. Invesco QQQ is proud to sponsor this episode and even prouder to provide access to innovation for the last 25 years. Basketball has had innovations over the years, too. We're seeing the game played in new ways every day. Learn more at Invesco.com slash QQQ. Let's rethink possibility. Invesco Distributors, Inc. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello, fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. 